What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 230. And boy, do we have a wild episode for you guys today. We are going to be talking about Sherry Schreiner, who is a very interesting person, to say the least. She is an online Christian conspiracy cult leader. Yeah, so I was just going to jump in and say (laughs) that I had heard of Sherry Schreiner before. Mm -hmm. If you go down the conspiracy path, especially on YouTube, you eventually come across her stuff. I'd never like. Yeah, I don't know. They don't. It's not really out anymore, right? No, it is actually. Her channel's still out there. It's called The Watcher Files on YouTube. Wow, I'm surprised she made it through. The YouTube I am crackdown. honestly I am too I was looking at some of the videos that are on there in the titles and I was like damn mm. how did this not some of this not get taken down so huh. interesting but yeah so just to preface this Sherry Schreiner was a right-wing conspiracy theorist like that's the the most simple definition for her mm-hmm. and and very religious very religious and what's interesting is that so Vice News did a sort of a documentary on on her and this whole online cult they call it a six parter yeah six parter which will spare you uh, from yeah. having to watch that this will be much more to the point than that thing was because my god they Dude, went around they in circles like these things out yeah that could have been condensed into two parts I like, agree it was, too Max oh my god there were parts I'm like this has been said 10 times yeah they were just repeating information and repeating video clips it was yeah pretty bad it honestly got kind of it got kind of confusing like the way that they laid it out first of all they started with so not only are we gonna be talking about Sherry Schreiner yeah, but like, there's we haven't even gotten through the title yet there's today. also a murder case that mm-hmm. is attached to Sherry Schreiner in this, in this online conspiracy group yeah and so part of the documentaries or the first like three episodes are going over this murder case and that involves Stephen Mineo and Barbara Rogers, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll obviously get into in the episode as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually another woman named Kelly, who is a follower of Sherry, who ended up taking her own life. And so there's that whole mm-hmm. case or story involved with this as well. So it's really three different yeah, things, things all, all in one. And mm-hmm. the point is, is that the, the two death cases relate back to Sherry Schreiner. And really, we're going to be diving deep into Sherry Schreiner, who she was and her, you know, how this all came to be. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's wild. I mean, it is to put it lightly, Sherry went down the rabbit hole and mm-hmm. took a very wrong turn and then realized, you know, I can control, manipulate people mm-hmm. through this information and make a shitload of money too. Right. Well, and that's what usually happens. So, mm-hmm. It's interesting because the media calls her a cult leader. Um, a lot of people refer to her as a cult leader. And there's definitely some debate there because she's like, I'm not a cult leader. Yeah. And, and which is an argument because it is. It's not the classic definition of your typical cult leader. So just, it's not, yeah, right. you know, in person. She doesn't have people actually following her and she's not controlling their right. every moment of their lives. Because, like, if you look up the definition for cult, a lot of them say it's an organized group where, you know, somebody's psychologically and physically pressuring them and, mm-hmm. you know, isolating them from members of their family, things like that. I mean, Following that's like a the certain tr- lifestyle. Right, right. In this traditional version of cults, if you look at Jim Jones and, you mm-hmm. know, some of the other cult leaders in, in history, that's that's sort of the traditional route for a cult as opposed to this 
new wave of groups online. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing about it is it's like, couldn't, there's so many other things and people that you could call a cult, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we're mile higher. We're a show and we have <laughs> followers technically. Yeah. So are we cult leaders? Too? Right. Exactly. Yeah, and it's that's an the online thing group. Is it's, it's really, that's what she was. She had a Facebook group and people followed her and she had a radio show mm-hmm. that she did where she just spewed all this craziness. But and, obviously she's, she's spreading things in a much more serious way. And lighting a fire yes, to people yeah. that there's urgency and yes. there's a war that we're all behind and you got to fight back and join my fight. And you know, we're not doing right. those things. So it's kind of a debatable thing whether it's or very, not she, you could consider her online group a cult. It's very controversial because then you look at Stephen Mineo and Barbara Rogers and their connections with Sherry. They had a much closer relationship with her. So there's yeah. accusations of manipulation and things like that and kind of turning one against the other. It, it, it's wild. I mean, we, yeah. we've just got to get Buckle into this in. to really help you understand. You're probably like, what the hell is going on here? But this is <laughs> this is a very, yeah, it is is out there. So just, um, yeah, we're, we're getting into all kinds of crazy stuff. But before we get into the episode, we did have a few things we wanted to mention. First of all, thank you to everybody who purchased something from MileHarmerch.com yes. for the Black Friday sale. It was yeah. super successful. We really thank appreciate you. We're it. We're still packing orders. We are. We are still packing orders yep. as of today, which yep. as the day of recording this is the last day of the sale. But if you didn't take advantage of the Black Friday sale, we do have a new collection coming out. We do. We are super excited about this collection, you guys. We worked really hard on these pieces and just went back and forth for a long time on these designs, trying to get them just perfect. So we are very happy with how everything turned out. First of all, I think... I don't know. I'm sure we all have fav- different favorite pieces, but I think my favorite is this comic book style design that we came up with. I just absolutely love this. It reminds me kind of of the schoolhouse rock mm-hmm. cartoon style. It's really fun and it really kind of encapsulates everything Colorado. Um, we've got a little 5280 action, Denver, skyline, mountains. And then, of course, we got a UFO in there because we just have to. This is Mile Higher. And yeah, we're really excited about how this one turned out. And then we also are bringing back one of our favorite designs with a whole new color scheme, our Mile Higher Steely, if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. So this one is definitely one of all of our favorites. Um, How many of these have, I think we've come out with two so far, two versions. Yeah, we had the original one was like a dark tie-dye Then we came out with a brighter one. And now we're putting it on a hoodie folks yes yep you guys were requesting hoodies and i we really went back and forth on the colors for this one for a long time and we all finally agreed upon this nice color setup here and then we have another kind of trippy alice in wonderland feeling kind of design here with a saturn in the background and some nature elements we got mushrooms in there it says take your mind a mile higher i love the colors for this one and i absolutely love the garment that we printed it on so some really warm cozy things for everyone this year so all of those will be available at milehiremerch.com and this new collection will be dropping thursday the 8th at 10 a.m mountain time and if you guys are wanting to get this stuff by christmas be sure to order it before the 15th of december so that we can make sure it gets shipped out to you in time And also what's really exciting is we were able to do a little work to lower the prices Mm -hmm. on these items. So definitely check it out. 
perfect time for the holidays too, especially when you've got shopping for a bunch of different people. Yeah. And like I said, we've got a lot of warm items this year. So it's a good. Unless you live in Florida, then you're kind of screwed because. <laughs> Hey, they it's got AC in Florida. I guess yeah. I guess in the winter in Florida, Floridians people are, get cold. Floridians are cold at like 65. Yeah, yeah, of course they are. Absolutely. Not me. So yeah, that's milehiremerch.com, folks. Yes, thank you, thank you. Before we get into things, I do want to thank our sponsors for today. We've got stamps.com, Simply Save, Pretty Litter, and Dipsy. Let's go ahead and jump right into the life of Sherry Schreiner. Let's start with the top and go back and see how she came to be this online conspiracy theorist, cult leader, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's wild. So Sherry Jan Coberly was born on December 11th, 1965 in Cleveland, Ohio, to her parents, Gary and Sharon. She also had three siblings, two sisters, Belinda and Natalie, and a brother named Nate. The Coberleys grew up in the extremely conservative Baptist Christian town of Chesterland, Ohio. And this town was the real-life Footloose, or I don't really remember what the name of the town was in Footloose, but basically they had no movies allowed, no dancing, nothing like that. Sherry's family were very, very devout Christians, and her father was a sales manager and a consultant, as well as the chairman of the county Republican Party. Growing up, Sherry played softball at school, and there's only a few pictures of Sherry online, like two or three, right? Three total. Um, But the main one that's really circulated and was used as her profile picture is apparently her high school senior portrait. But other than these little bits of info about Sherry, we really don't know much about her life or her childhood. According to her Amazon author's profile, Sherry attended Kent State University and graduated in 1990 with degrees in journalism, political science, and criminal justice. But turns out this is not true. Sherry actually attended Liberty University starting in 1984, and at the time, the school had about 2,500 students who all wanted to change the world in God's name. And this is the Liberty University founded by Jerry Falwell Sr., and the one that's currently in the news for the actions of his son, Jerry Falwell Jr., who's a topic for a different day. But Jerry Falwell Sr. was big on TV, and he hosted regular preaching broadcasts, which is probably where Sherry got her inspiration for all of her talks. Absolutely, because it's very preachy. It is. It definitely is. So at school, Sherry immediately told everyone in the broadcasting ministry that she wanted to be a news director. So she already knew exactly what she wanted to do. She also worked as a writer for the school's yearbook and the school's radio, WLBU. And Sherry always wanted to use her voice to change the world. And at first, her dream was to be a news broadcaster for a major network like CNN. But when she didn't land a big job, her perspective on things started to shift. Sherry was very upset by the fact that she couldn't land her dream job working for CNN. And she started to believe that she wasn't hired by CNN because they knew that she wouldn't, quote, play ball, as in she wouldn't participate in satanic rituals. So her plans changed. She moved back to her hometown and decided to settle down. Sherry married Arch Raymond Schreiner on January 16th, 1991. They had four kids, Judd, Melanie, Luke, and Corey. She most recently resided in Carrollton, Ohio, and she often said that she was a poor girl from the backwoods of central Ohio. She liked to take her boat out and fish in her free time. But like we said, beyond these details, 
a lot about Sherry's personal life is just not known. She is a figure that seems to just be shrouded in mystery. And since she never got her dream high-profile job as a news broadcaster, she instead started up kind of her own news show. And this show on Blog Talk Radio turned Sherry Schreiner from a small-town Ohio girl to a full-blown online cult leader. So that leads us to Sherry's online conspiracy group, which she started in the early 2000s and then grew it over a number of years. She became known online as Queen Shazarazi, or Queen Shaz for short. Sherry calls herself a prophet, seer, ambassador, messenger, and daughter of the Most High. She constantly refers to God as father. She literally believes she is the daughter of God, which is always concerning. And she believes she is the granddaughter of King David. Which mm, makes no the sense. Same bloodline. <laughs> right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, what? I'm sure. King it's... David was born in 1040 BCE. So how would she be the granddaughter? Explain that away. I don't know, man. I was watching the documentary and she's talking about being I think, the grandkid of King David. I think she. <laughs> Love that for her. I think she literally believes that she has like been in heaven with God and then yeah. came to mm-hmm. earth and is like literally like Jesus, like how Jesus is God's son. She's Jesus's sister, mm-hmm. basically, is what she's saying. And so she's like, you know, taking this human form, but she's really this heavenly being. See, and that's what makes me lean more towards calling her a cult leader. But that doesn't make you a cult stereotypical leader, though cult leader though like most cult leaders when you look at them they believe they are of some higher power they, that they're special in some way that they're like a god and they try to convince people that they that's true yeah. you know so. I, I get that but at this point you know it, compared to others that have done done that you know she's just saying this to the internet right versus she's saying this to actual physical people it's not like she went out to the the street corners like i am the daughter of god and follow me in, into the woods and but we'll i live feel together. Like nowadays what there's not that big of a difference i guess i guess our world is so like enmeshed with the internet i don't know can you be virtually and virtually in a cult i think so yeah i would definitely say so So Sherry hosted a weekly radio show and published over 200 videos to her YouTube channel, which is called The Washer Files. It's actually still out there. Um, And then there's another channel she has that's all of her archived episodes of the blog talk radio um, where she hosted her show. But she has other websites, blogs. She's written multiple books, which I believe are still on Amazon. Um, But her conspiracy doomsday cult got its start on blog talk radio, which was basically a site or a platform where people could Host their own radio show or podcast. So this is like predating all of the the modern mm-hmm. podcast platforms. And we actually have a clip of Sherry explaining her calling and why you should support her. And in these videos, she never shows her face, just by the way. So if you're listening, yeah. you're not missing anything yeah. on the screen. Sherry Schreiner. <laughs> I thought that was actual audio from this. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to do this video... Why you should support me? Why you should support Sherry Schreiner? I just want to do this short video, just lay back, chill back, and, and let you chill know back. who I am. The Lord stood me up in 2001, 2002, to speak for him, to be a mouthpiece for him to the nations. And at the time, I thought that was crazy. I wasn't even on the internet but four years at that time. And so I learned HTML coding 
But I made the websites myself, and that's why everyone thinks they look pretty amateur. King David was my grandfather. I am of the bloodline of David, and I was born with a calling to be a prophet. And so I stood up for that calling. And so I deal with the whole alien, UFO, underground bases. I deal with the whole issue of soul scalping. Everything around the paranormal world is on this site. You know, I was the first one screaming. Taylor Swift had been replaced. And finally, several years later, people are catching up. You know, if you want to know what I believe, I have that on my website at Sherry Schreiner. What I believe, who I am. Um, OregonBlasters.com, my Oregon War. Found a way to destroy the aliens I had learned to hate so much. And this is the new world order that's coming, folks. The fake Jesus. That's Lucifer. This is me, my younger years. SherryTalkRadio.com I certainly don't live in luxury. <laughs> right now I can't even leave the house because my car doesn't start. I could go through the hardships and the, and the assassination attempts and the heart attacks I've had, but we have a long way to go, folks. Because people do not just, they do not know who God is. It's pathetic. This is my full-time job. I don't have time to do anything else. I've given my, my life to the Father. I've devoted all my time to this. And so I invite you to join me. Join my team as a supporter. Join my war as an Oregon warrior. And, and just support me getting out truth or news. And, and just remember that I, I love you all. And yeah, bless. So does she have, um, the lion? Is that lion of kind Judah. of going back to, oh, what is it? It's the lion of Judah is what it's called. Oh, so yeah. I don't know anything about this. Yeah. What is, what is it? So you're testing my, my Christian knowledge right now. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's see how much you remember. So I believe, well, lion of Judah is just like another basically symbol for God. Yeah, it's a cultural symbol. The association between the Judahites, the Judites, and the lion can be first found in the blessing given by Jacob, Jacob to his fourth son Judah in the book of Genesis. So this is like Old Testament stuff. Okay. But yeah, it's that's what it is. It's just another symbol for God, basically. So is that why it was used in uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Well, C.S. Lewis, the author, was was Christian, and he has tons of Christian symbolism in those books. And yes, yeah. Aslan, the lion is Aslan, yeah, is right. God in right. essence. So. So yeah, that's she's she's just using it as a symbol to basically mm. be like I am close to the father and and this is what makes our job so hard mm. by looking into some of these conspiracy theories that we have in the past and things like that. It's very difficult because there are people who that you know, it just but just like anything in life, any sort of religion it's uh, a spectrum. theological idea there yeah, there's all these different ways that you can take it, right? There's mm -hmm. there's infinite ways that mm -hmm. you can you can believe in something. And so while she's talking about aliens and all these things that we talk about, but then she's connecting Satan, Lucifer, God, and like these Christian aspects and ideas to these conspiracies and kind of tying them together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, you know, that's where things really go wrong is just you're, you're now tying spiritual things with paranormal things and saying that they're both correlated together. Like, even in episodes that we've covered, we've gotten comments, and I know even mm -hmm. on my other podcast, Lights Out, people are like, don't you know that aliens are demons? And, yeah, I've seen those comments, And it's too. actually it's demons that are possessing people and, hey, and abducting I mean, people. And I'm like, okay, that's one idea. Yeah, it's, it's an idea. And a lot of people don't believe in demons. A lot of people don't believe in angels and demons and God and heaven and hell because mm -hmm. that's just one spiritual theory idea 
But for some reason, the people that believe in this like to say that this is the truth. And I think that's where things get messy is like you're now claiming that what you're talking about is in fact cold hard facts. And obviously there's just no way to possibly prove that that that's the case. And that's what makes it so dangerous is people like Sherry that are right preaching it out to the world saying this is the truth. Join me in the fight because this is what's actually going on. And I have no doubts. And it's like, that's fine. That's your own opinion. It's first amendment. Everybody mm-hmm. can say what they want to say, yeah, but it's, it's like part of the human experience, I think to make your own decisions about things and believe whatever you want. But, but that's, what's difficult because it's people like Sherry that when you say you, you talk, you know, you're into conspiracy theories. That's what most people think of is people yeah. like Sherry. Right. And that's the hard part about it is like, we're, tr- we've always tried to take approach of like, some of these ideas are very interesting and, you know, maybe there's some truth to some of these things, but we've never been like, I know for a hundred percent fact that this is, yeah. this is actually what's going on. Mm-hmm. We just kick around the ideas and be like, well, maybe, maybe not make up your own mind, but mm-hmm. it's, it's then taking it to the next level and be like, support me because I'm going to fight against Satan and yeah. we're going to take down these Giving people a call to aliens. action, right? Right. Of- you need to do this. But does else. that make her a cult leader? Does that message she just gave, does that, it, even though it sounds very culty, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily equal cult leader. And she's always said, I'm not a cult leader. I'm just somebody mm-hmm. who's on the internet talking. Yeah. And I get that argument for sure. I think you could kind of see it either way. Just depends on your own personal definition of a cult leader. Yeah. Well, and there's infinite definitions of it, but to dive into Sherry's beliefs a little bit more, I mean, it's it gets pretty pretty wild. And again, she's a right wing conspiracy theorist. So all of these, if you know anything about right wing conspiracy theories, she's right there. So the general premise or gist of it is basically that there's satanic reptilian aliens who have basically been running the world since the very beginning. Now, this is a very popular conspiracy, and we definitely understand that there are audience members who believe that. And, you know, it's your right and your opinion, and you right. could be right. So, right. Well, it's no it's no different than believing in anything else. The mm-hmm. boogeyman, you know what I mean? It's the same same type of thing. People might mm-hmm. think you're crazy, but who cares? Yeah. It is what it is. And if you believe it, that's fine. I mean, a lot of people believe in Satan and believe in mm-hmm. evil forces infiltrating the world. <laughs> Lots of people, millions right. of people, yeah. So. so Sherry basically said that America was set up by Satan and that America is his home country, which I've never heard that before. But basically, you know, he set this all up. The way that the country set up is that there's these extraterrestrials, these reptilian aliens that are a part of the Illuminati, and they kind of gave us the technology that allowed us to advance as a civilization. And... That's basically why we are where we're at because these guys are controlling it and their whole plan is then tied to the new world order, which again, this is a separate idea from this. She's connecting Mm -hmm. the satanic reptilian aliens with another conspiracy theory, which is the new world order, which we've touched on on the show, which Mm -hmm. is about a basically a secret group of individuals. The way that I have have seen it explained is humans, not necessarily aliens, but humans this cabal group of aliens elites that we don't know we have no idea who they are and there and there's a group that's in fact running all the governments of the world that's all tied together and the goal is to basically bring in this new world order and it's interesting because politicians say new world order i think joe biden actually mm-hmm. said new world yeah, order not that long ago that, yeah 
Yeah. So there's a lot of people interpret it different ways, but mm-hmm. basic- but there is a lot of crossover with the alien, with yes, the uh, rep- reptilians and right. the New World Order. A lot of people believe in both of those together. Right. Exactly, and that's the the aliens are attempting to create this new world order where basically they enslave all of humanity. Mm-hmm. All of us humans are enslaved by them and it allows the devil to basically take over is pretty much the gist of it. But specifically, according to Sherry, the new world order operates through not only takeovers of the government, but the media, secret societies, Hollywood sports, and other influential spheres. And basically all of those people that are involved in these different groups at these high levels, the elites have all basically given their life over to Satan and in order to continue up their power and uh, you know ability to take over, they perform these horrific satanic rituals. Another big part of Sherry's teachings though are that all celebrities politicians and influential people you see on tv are not in fact human that they are in fact former humans who have been cloned possessed and as she calls it soul scalped by shape-shifting reptilians and we actually have a video of sherry explaining the soul scalping process which is i hate the sound of that no soul scalping hello everybody i'm sherry schreiner and i just wanted to make this video on soul scalping because it's Something I was warning about last year that this year would be dominant on a massive scale. And that's exactly what it's been and continuing to be. The father showed me how they do it. He showed me how they do it. And so I wrote this article. What they do is they take, they take a snake. It's about six to eight inches long. You can see it right here. I got, and they shove this serpent down your throat and it, in, in, it wraps around your spinal cord and takes control of your brain and so that's how they do it folks there's two different types of soul scalping this is the serpent kind when they put this in you people who have this snake in them the serpent in them lucifer can embody that serpent and then overtake the person that's how they do it that's how he does it that's how he possesses people that's how he did hitler that's what he does to obama Sometimes you can hear him speaking through Obama. And that's how they do it. There's two different ways of soul scalping. This thing put in your eye, or this thing shoved down your throat. They can duplicate a human's body. They can clone them. They can make them, grow them in laboratories, so to speak. These are the cloning centers. But the hardest thing for them to duplicate is the eyes. The human's eyes. And so their eyes are always going to be different than ours. This is what is pretty much coming on us now in full force. Our government leaders, I was told by the switch herself who has a show on TV. Every single person on TV now with their own show, whether it's your own show or you're an actor or an actress, you have to sign the dotted line. You have to sell your soul to Satan to get on TV. I think what's interesting about what she just said, though, is that clearly she has a personal vendetta against everybody on TV. And, you know, when she got rejected from CNN, I think that's just like put a sour taste. You know, the fact that she was wanting to be on TV and now she's absolutely against everybody and thinks they're all evil reptilian aliens, which is which is kind of funny to me because there's clearly people that host shows on TV. I mean, I can think of one huge one, Oprah, who are... And I could be wrong on this, but from what I know, I believe Oprah said she is of the Christian faith. So 
there and there's other other Christians that host shows on on TV and stuff like that. So to say that everybody who is has a show on TV has to sell their soul to the devil because what they're now an influential person just makes absolutely no sense and is completely ludicrous. I mean, I, I <laughs> and where are you drawing the line of that? Yeah, is exactly. it just people who are on you know mainstream like CNN, MSNBC, Fox, or is it your local news people, or is it people who have some type of following? Is it yeah? What about internet shows? Right. What about us? Do exactly. we sell to the devil? That's what I'm saying. Like, where's the line being drawn, and at what point do you all of a sudden have to sell your soul? Right. And who's who's actually bringing that contract to the table? <laughs> the devil shows up, brings the papers. Well, the devil has not showed up here yet, so we're not big enough. <laughs> well, yeah, it may, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, she's as you heard in there, she said Obama, Taylor Swift. She's also said George Bush, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, Wendy Williams, Angelina Jolie, and so many more people. But one person who she spent some time talking about on her show is none other than the shape-shifting reptilian known as Justin Bieber. Now, a lot of you are probably familiar with the theories yeah. around Justin Bieber. It's pretty like common pop culture conspiracy land. <sighs> the pop culture conspiracies, I'm just like... Ugh. Hey, I mean, I know some... some no, I, I get it. I get is, why you know. you're like, oh, this is weird. There are There's definitely weird things in pop culture mm -hmm. that make you question you know, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why is their eyes look weird? But sometimes the, the Al Roker clip still gets me. Oh yeah. That one is so weird. That's right. If there is a clone, I guess Al Roker, man, Al, man. malfunction. Mm -hmm. Can we just bring that up real fast? Can we just have a look? See, I just want to see. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I'm Savannah Guthrie alongside Matt Lauer and Al Roker. Will someone do the, the junior high hockey He's like totally fine. Exactly how you have he to have a certain amount of distance between yes, the bodies exactly. in junior high. Yes, like they say oh. in Catholic school, leave room for the Holy Ghost. Anyway, <laughs> there is a lot of it, uh, it, uh, memories today, actually. It's a big day. <laughs> okay, what the fuck is that? 35 years ago His today, face like froze. <laughs> he doesn't blink. <laughs> he hasn't blinked a single time. Mark Cohn says in his but why are they zooming in on him? Is he just exhausted? Or is he on drugs? No, this is the edit. That's the edit. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, someone edited that, obviously, but... um. Yeah, that's really what happened. It's an interesting... But yeah, it's moments like that that bring up all these theories and mm -hmm. make people question. And I know that there are people out in our audience who do believe in these. And I, you know, that's your right to believe in them. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I still think there's some think sketchiness. Whatever. I'm like, like I said, conspiracies are a spectrum. And I think we all fall somewhere on the spectrum. There's quite a few conspiracy theories that we definitely believe in. I yeah. feel like a lot of people have this mentality of all or nothing. Right. And not just conspiracy, but anything in life. You either yes. fully are in or you're fully out. And there's no right. middle ground. And if you are middle ground, then you're like a fraud or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've definitely gotten people that are angry with us because we do talk about theories that we believe in. And then we've talked about theories that we don't believe in. And people get mad if we don't believe in all of it. But hey, that's your right as a person on this planet to Pick and choose what you yeah, believe. We're all we all have our own brains, right? We right. all are allowed to believe what <laughs> Except we want for Al to Roker, apparently. Poor Al. Anyway, Justin <sighs> Bieber. What's the deal? Okay. Justin Bieber caught shape shifting by hundreds of fans. This was a big thing. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about this. He was down in Australia giving a concert and he landed at the airport. 
and that turned out to be a disaster for Bieber. As you can see this, Justin Bieber shapeshifted into a reptilian while greeting fans who had waited for him to arrive at Perth Airport in Australia. It says that he seemed to be very agitated. He was looking up at the lights and thrashing about and he shapeshifted. Now when they get angry and they're hosting a human body, that's what causes them to shift. If they lose control and they get very angry, they will immediately shapeshift. If you notice the Super Bowl ad with Justin Bieber in it, I was looking at that commercial thinking, that's not Justin Bieber. And now you've got this one with the, the blonde, whitish, you know, cut hair. Amazing how people can yeah, it die has the and same cut their tattoos, hair. But certainly, <laughs> certainly is changing a lot from this look. Mm. Now there are several wow. different. The Justin Kardashians Bieber's. are definitely shapeshifters. Then those bitches changing their hair every day. True. And their bodies. Mm -hmm. True. <laughs> Here, here's my thing. All right, this is just my personal opinion, and you can take it or leave it. My thing with this whole elites are reptilian and stuff and that we're seeing you know all these weird things we see on tv and stuff are them glitching i'm just like if that if they're really these advanced reptilian extraterrestrial beings you think they would fuck up like that they do not fuck up okay they're not going to have these things especially in front of the cameras right where they would know that the world's going to see them it's not like oh they get mad and then they just start busting out of their clothes <laughs> like, like Hulk whole, or something. Yeah. Like, come on, man. This is like this is like sci-fi we're talking so about. So this instance that she's talking about in Perth, there's no video footage of it, correct? This is just what people claim to witness. Okay, so not one person whipped out a phone come while on. Justin Bieber was yeah, shaping a plane. Okay. Yeah. Um but there is that clip of Justin Bieber, which I don't know if she brings I'm sure she brought this up as well. The one where his eyes kinda like there was that viral clip of him. Yeah. And I think it was when he was detained for something. Didn't he get like arrested? Um, I'm not sure. But I know for a fact that there is a bunch of clips of a bunch of celebrities having weird eye movements. So it oh, kind of yeah. like all correlates together. Well, did you see recently Katy Perry yeah. started doing that at her concert on purpose because right. she knew people thought she did it. So she started doing this weird thing where she it's kind of like her party trick, she says. Mm -hmm. And she does it There's that, at concerts but, all the time. But also like. These people are in front of not only camera lenses, but bright ass lights all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I know for me sitting in front of bright lights, my oh, yeah. eyes are going to start. You're going to see my camera eyes flashing. turn black and twitch. Oh, yeah. And like if I were staring at, at I had these studio lights over me all the time. That's the thing is like it's easy for us just normal ass people to look at all these people in the in the limelight be like, oh, yeah, they're shape shifting. Their eyes are reptilian. They look crazy. And it's like, first of all, these guys are performers. Second of all, they do hair, makeup, and costume for all their stuff. And three, they're under under these bright-ass lights. They've got cameras every which way. There's reflections coming at every angle. Mm -hmm. If you've ever done a concert on stage, you know how much lights are hitting you and affecting you. You're sweating. Your eyes hurt. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, it's, it's quite a stretch, in my opinion, to be like, oh, well, that's evidence of the fact that that's not a human anymore. Well, I don't know about Al Roker, though. That one, the Al Roker just on had a brain fart, dude. That's a big ass brain <laughs> fart he just had. Like maybe lack of sleep. I don't yeah. know. It's like really the clones that we have. The, we have the ability to take a person and clone them, and the clone's going to malfunction 
randomly like that and there's only one or two examples of that well hey i mean we don't know for a fact i don't know for we a don't fact, know but i i'm just i'm very skeptical if there's one thing i'm skeptical about it's the whole like reptilian thing reptilian and and, and clones and people mm-hmm. this and that it's like okay i i i can see where you're going with it but i just don't think if that was truly the case we, they would even be making mistakes like that we're talking about advanced 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 beings if they had the ability to shape shift and clone and everything else, it just, this wouldn't be happening, especially in front of tons of people's faces and eyes and cameras. But that's just me. You might, you might believe it. That's fine. So yeah, back to Sherry. Your, your yeah, right to yeah exactly. I don't, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying this is just what I think. But. So since Sherry is the daughter of God, she knows the real names of God. And so she refers to God as Yahuwah and Jesus as Yahushua, which just for those that probably many of you probably already know that those are completely wrong when it comes to Hebrew pronunciations. Those are her translation of actual Hebrew words for God. And so she just made up her own version of it. And she always says, Yah bless, which is very cute. Yah bless. But Sherry says she's been stalked by the devil her whole life and that she was actually able to interview him for her book, Interview with the Devil. Mm. God was apparently present. He was observing the interview. And she also has two other books detailing her mission and beliefs, which her books I might even still be on Amazon. But mm. there's aliens on the Internet. Such an exclusive interview. You'd think it'd be a top seller. Interview with the devil, man. That'd be an interesting conversation. I wonder how fun it is down there. But Bible codes revealed the coming UFO invasion is also out there. In addition to all these things, there's definitely a big QAnon type of element to Sherry's beliefs. And we were actually kind of talking about this as like, and, and this is a conspiracy that we never really have talked about on the show. And I know millions of people have asked us about it. And obvi- there's obvious reasons why we haven't talked about it. But there is definitely, it was almost like Sherry was kind of like Q before Q came along in a way. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. Like she kind of started a similar type of thing. Because, I mean, is QAnon a cult? Would you say people that believe in QAnon's a cult? I think people would say yes. I think people would, uh, a lot of people would say yes. But obviously I'm it's scared to even say, I don't want our channel to be punished think, by even speaking well, that. Well, we, we know somebody at YouTube now, so. That's true. We can clear, we can clear up any, we can clear up any. <laughs> so we can do anything now. Any, yeah. Yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, you got to be careful of those no, it's, types it's, of things. It's very difficult because obviously there's tons and tons of very, very negative elements to the QAnon conspiracy theories. And obviously, as we all know, you know, it, it all goes back to Trump and, and the fact that there's all these reptilian lizard politicians. And they all need to be rounded up and put in Guantanamo Bay and all this stuff. And, and basically, Bush invaded Iraq, not for oil or freedom, but because there was extraterrestrials there. And Bush is a shape-shifting reptile who will be captured by Trump as well, according to Sherry. And he could be able to shape-shift into a woman, actually, according mm, to her. So, that. like, she took all... She, and that's the thing, is, like, she's just spewing all these She takes a little things. bit from every yeah, corner of totally. The, yeah. I mean, she's... It's clear that Sherry's was at home. She said herself, my car doesn't start. So... <laughs> she's not going she's not getting out much all right so you can imagine if you don't get out much and you're diving down the conspiracy rabbit hole things can get very confusing very quickly 
Yeah. And obviously, there, like we said, there are a lot of theories out there that we even ourselves believe. And I think people find one thing and they believe it. And then it's just kind of like, where do you stop? And eventually, you're not able to really see the difference between things that actually have evidence behind them and things that are just right, coming right. from no source at all. Well, it's because people, pe- conspiracy theorists have gone and connected everything. Right. Like there, if you look at the, there's a QAnon map and you can look at the map and the map connects literally every conspiracy right. under the sun. They right. all go back to one thing. And like, maybe you believe that, maybe you don't. But that that's the problem is that everything ends up being connected. So that's why mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, boo to conspiracies because ultimately the conspiracies are all connected to each other. And a lot of people mm-hmm. think think of them that way versus you can't cherry pick conspiracies because obviously there's tons and tons of conspiracy theories and tons of Sherry's videos and writings and talks that are just absolutely littered with homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, xenophobia, racism, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and just a combination of all these bigotries. And, and, that's why, I mean, she's very much a right-wing conspiracy theorist. So if you go down looking at her things, beware, it is riddled with all types of bigotries. But then there's not only all of that, there's also this apocalypse end times element to mm-hmm. Sherry's online cult where, you know, ultimately it's a war, it's a spiritual war, it's a war against Satan, it's a war against all of these shapeshifters and, and clones that... Lucifer is is gathering his army and that, you know, as the army of God, we got to stand up and, and fight against this satanic empire. And the thing about that, though, is like she she's taking elements from the end times are talked mm-hmm. about in Revelation, Revelation of the Bible. And so a lot of Christians believe in the end times, the rapture and mm-hmm. the trials and tribulations that will come after. And I, I don't know if anybody out there read uh, the book's. The Left Behind series. We actually just talked about it on the sesh. Really? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so the Left Behind series. I read all those books growing up. I grew up very, very uh, conservative and Christian. And so I, w- I filled my head with all those ideas. And it's once you kind of fill your head with those ideas and you believe in God, you believe in the devil, you believe in heaven and hell, it's very easy to all of a sudden be like, hell yeah. I'm a warrior. Literally, I'm literally. a warrior for God. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I'm mm-hmm. taking down hell. I remember services at my church, mm-hmm. which I went to a Nazarene church, which is almost on the same level as Sherry Shriner's church that she grew up in, where it was the whole sermon for the day would be the battle against evil, the devil. You got to put on the armor of God. You got to get out there and battle these evil forces out there. And obviously, they didn't go as far as saying that here's all the evil forces, here's their names and this and that. But it's definitely the seed that gets planted. And I think mm-hmm. that's the, that's a very difficult thing about it is when you then infuse religious ideology into the conspiracy theories, I mean, you're wrapping up something very serious. You're talking about somebody's soul, the battle for somebody's soul. And if you believe in these things, this is a very, this is the tough part is that you can get very very deep into this and wrapped up into it to the point where there is no other reality than this reality and i think that's what's so difficult about it and as we get into barbara rogers and uh, Stephen mineo and and kelly you'll see that these people they you know you start with the christian ideologies then you kind of discover this conspiracy world and you marry the two together and it becomes this very very dangerous reality that you start to live in and 
things can get very, very dark. And, and that's the thing about it is like, you think you're literally in this war against all these unseen forces and demons and, and aliens are out here abducting people and school, uh, soul scalping and all these things are happening. And so it's fear, fear mongering. It's using fear to manipulate and make people do what you want at the end of the day is what, what's going on. So she had this whole doomsday element to her group. She recommended followers stock up on guns and ammo as they need to protect themselves from these evil forces in the end times. And if you didn't, then basically they'd come for you and kill you. And, you know, she was always warning them, basically telling everybody to doomsday prep because if you're not ready, then you have absolutely no chance. She'd even tell her followers or people that listen to her to head for the mountains as this would be the safest place if they wanted to survive the apocalypse. And basically she said that, you know, the mainstream churches, so all the churches that people go to across the world weren't doing enough or anything to fight evil. So as Christians, she was really trying to get her followers to arm themselves and put up the good fight, you know, go out there and actually do something. So let's listen to Sherry's call to action here. And so what I've been trying to get you to do is prepare yourselves because the war is on against us. They're not your friends. They don't want prayer. They don't want invited to church. They don't want God. They don't want salvation. They want to kill you. So stop being soft on evil because that's what your church pastors have led you to be to be accepting of the government, to be accepting of every abuse that comes your way, to be floor mats, to be treated like garbage and be abused, and stand up for yourselves. You have one AR, go get another one. You got one box of bullets, go get another one. Get ready to defend and fight for yourselves, folks, because the war is on. And in a time of war, the Father always stood up his people to fight not be wussies and lay down. It's not yours to just roll over dead and let the government and the UN troops that are coming in walk all over you and carry you off to FEMA camps where they can abuse and rape and sodomize you because they plan to. Fight back, folks. Grow up here and get ready to fight back. You know, the Lord honors your faith when you back it up with action. Backing it up with your works, which action. is your action. This is so hard to That's take her he seriously. He doesn't want a bunch of couch potatoes. You're a couch potato. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's over here talking about action, and she's literally probably sitting on the couch at her computer while she's saying all this stuff, which yeah, is just no. hilarious. So it, it's just, it's again, it's using fear to unite people and bring them under your banner and get people to follow you and follow your mission and support you and donate you. Not to mention this, this woman had a Patreon. She had a GoFundMe. She had PayPal donate. I mean, she was constantly asking for monetary donations to help, help the good fight. And like, you know, always be like, Oh, you know, I've, I've been under constant attack from, from Satan and his satanic alien uh, comrades and you know i was i've been attacked with emf waves or elf weapons kidnapped they've kidnapped my dog and sending people after me to assassinate me i mean mm. she she's blamed like her own heart problems on some of these attacks that she says she underwent uh, here's here's her talking about some of these attacks and you know my assassins come and go 
I've had assassins after me since George Bush Jr. and Dick Cheney hired the number one assassin in America. Dr. Cherry. And how I know this is because the assassin told me himself many years later. <laughs> How'd that he happen? Me. He told me all the problems he had every time he tried to kill me. <laughs> what, they had a therapy session I'm when you failed? I'm protected by the most <laughs> And when Bush, and Obama was president, I was number two on his death list. <laughs> Chavez was number one, president of Venezuela. They finally got him with cancer. I'm still standing. Why? Because of the most <laughs> they, For some reason, I couldn't get Cherry. years ago. I only got about 30% of my heart left. I get poisoned all the time. What? I From the McDonald's you eat. That wear and tears your body hey. down, I'll tell you that. I got shot in the leg about eight years ago with a chip, one of those chip guns. Chip gun? And I got the chip out of my leg, but it had uh, left poison residue inside my leg. And Where's so the picture? Every year, it flares up and it gives me problems. Mm. I think it's uh, called toxicosis. Right. So that flares up on me at times. I was dealing with that all last week. Taxicosis, cellulitis, high temperature. Cellulitis? Yeah, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, as you're, Sherry, as you're hearing this, obviously, it's like, it's clear. She's very delusional about literally everything. But, I mean, it makes no sense. Like, if you're, as a logical human being i mean if you use common sense and you start taking the things that she's saying she got shot with a chip gun which first of all what the hell's a chip gun <laughs> second of all <laughs> chip gun what would be really convincing to your followers and they'd probably pay you more money if you could back it up with some proof why not show a picture of this i'm i'm honestly surprised that she didn't like come on and be like here's my here's the where i got shot with the chip gun and you know who she reminds me of somewhat who Fucking Stan Romanek, dude. Oh, yeah. Very she Stan. gives me very, I mean, very Stan, Stan was very mild compared to Sherry, but like, mm -hmm. it's the same, same idea. It's like, let, let me like get all this attention by making up all these things that happened mm -hmm. to me in order to get people's sympathy and, you know, bring support my way. It just, it's just uh, so manipulative. Like, she also said, you know, not only am I under attack, but my followers are under attack. And guess what? Sherry had a very sound solution in order to protect her and her followers. So she basically started selling Oregon. And she told them that this was like the best line of defense, these Oregon pucks against these satanic reptilians running around. That's the best the line of defense. demons coming for you. And if you put these Oregon pucks out in your yard, that it would stop all bad things basically demons zombies evil beings evil spirits chemtrails even um as well as it would just destroy the aliens somehow yeah uh hmm. she claims that she has crashed herself over eighteen thousand ufo alien ships which i'm like where did you get that does she go out and like a precise number yeah, eighteen thousand eighteen thousand with organ pucks mm-hmm that's correct. Yeah. How many Oregon pucks? All I can imagine is she has like a massive wall built around her home with Oregon pucks. And I'll bet you anything that's not even the case. Do you remember in high school, my neighbors growing up always had those balls in the yard? Yeah. Were they Oregon? I don't, I'm starting to think maybe no, they were. No, they weren't. They, they were, like, were just like little spheres that lighted up. No, they didn't light up. That's yeah. the thing is I never understood why they were there because they clearly weren't on display for anyone. You couldn't see them when you drive by or anything, but they were these like spheres in their lawn that if 
you walked through the lawn, you'd see them lying in the grass. Are you sure those ones just decorative yard? I don't know. My dad would always be like, they're waiting for someone to beam them up. And we all thought it was so funny. But now I'm kind of like, mm, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. In your but... neighborhood? I don't think so. Yeah, it's possible. I don't think you have anybody it's like possible. that living in that neighborhood. Sorry. But yeah, 18,000 UFO alien ships. That would be a world record for sure. She would be, MUFON would be talking about her all the time. And there's probably no mention of her about this. So she did have this Oregon Blasters um, store, basically, where you could buy these Oregon pucks. She worked with somebody who would make them, and then they would sell them, probably split the profits. She'd basically send customers their, his way, and he'd make these little Oregon pucks. So she claimed that the Oregon will cleanse your air, water, food, dissolve chemtrails above your home, and keep evil beings out of your home and yard, stop night terrors. It has a 101 uses. I mean, a really, really good deal. And for 50 bucks, you can get 12 of these Oregon pucks uh, and you know you want you want to go out there and and save your neighborhood in town and protect them from the evil aliens and chemtrails and all that good stuff. So obviously it creates incentive for people to not only protect themselves but then go out into the public and put them all over their town. So what's interesting is that Oregon in itself has has its own history as well, and we can kind of explain it a little bit because I think Sherry gives Oregon really a bad rap for what it really is because there is mm-hmm. more to it um, and I mean you can go on Etsy and buy Oregon yeah. pyramids and the way really that pretty. I've always understood it is that it helps repel electromagnetic radiation from all the electronic devices or that's, I mean that's what people think but yeah. there's not like well, si- 100% the scientific community it. disregards it because mm-hmm. and calls it a pseudoscience uh, science. but there was an actual scientist that basically discovered this Oregon energy. Just a tiny little history lesson on Oregon. But Oregon was a term given by Dr. Wilhelm Reich, a researcher who in the 1930s used this term to describe the etheric life force of existence. Oregon energy is basically the energy of life. Dr. Reich found that its effects are dampened by negative energies often generated by electromagnetic radiation and other hazards of modern life. So what's interesting about this is that Dr. Wilhelm, who was an Austrian psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, um, apparently did all of this research on organ energy and wrote up all these papers. And apparently, the FDA like shut it down. And again, this is this is you know I don't know for sure if this is fact or not. I don't have any sources to back this up, but this is just what's out there if you go and search for it. That basically this was like sort of suppressed, and they don't want you to know about organ because. Obviously, our whole society is infiltrated by all these devices. I mean, we've talked about 5G and all this in the past. And so, Oregon is supposed to be put in places where there's heavy um, EMF, basically. So, a lot of people go and buy them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's supposed to help with other things, too. There's other spiritual things that it helps with. It can help with meditation, calm, all these mm-hmm. other things. There's yeah, other benefits. In crystal energy, likely. Of exactly. Of exactly. It's yeah. it's kind of in the, in the same, mm-hmm. same arena. So... She took it and was like, this is going to kill all the evil spirits, which according to its history, there's really no, this is something that she made up completely herself. So what is Oregon? It's basically a mash of aluminum and copper shavings with a quartz crystal in the center. There's oftentimes other types of healing crystals put into these Oregon pyramids and the mix is then encased in industrial resin. Sometimes the blasters are topped with a copper penny to make them power blasters. 
but the substance is apparently harmless to humans but destructive to aliens reptilians witches and other evil beings sherry claims she used this to take down those alien ships so she had on her website she told you how you could make it at orgonblasters.com but you could also buy them from them and so they made a ton of money off this for sure i mean this was a huge income uh for sherry as along with the donations that she received over the span of 10 years, she actually made almost 775000 in donations and organ sales. So over the years, Sherry's ministry accumulated thousands of devoted people, listeners, followers, and it quickly became you know, this internet group or cult based around her. Sherry has denied over and over again that her movement was ever a cult and that she is absolutely not a cult leader. Obviously, she probably hated but also loved the idea of her movement being called a cult. I mean... She's clearly about herself as well. So, you know, you have all these people around you. It's kind of like, oh, you know, they think I'm a cult leader. That's kind of cool. Here is an electronic song created by one of Sherry's followers for Sherry. Um, beware, it could cause brain damage. No, that's just like a joke. <laughs> I know, I'm, jo- also, I'm joking. It's he thought he was being serious. <laughs> I'm not being serious. It's a joke. But... <laughs> all right, let's hear it. Honestly, at first, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, lie. like this could be on the top. Top chart? All mechanical creation, all images of enslavement and imprisonment, all rage and anger of death and hell, and the murder and the murderer's intent, the confusion of, of masculine and feminine roles, all portrayal, portrayal of sexual perversion, including homosexuality and lesbianism. Ooh, lesbianism. Sympathy, <laughs> for, for Satan and the sorrows of Satan, association with the Nephilim and spacecraft, all perversions of the third eye, yeah, the distorted and exaggerated images. Perverted movements of the body and break dancing and other forms of dancing. Perverted body And we especially call for the judgment in this hour and the, and the destroying of rock music directed specifically against children Here comes the draw. through the videos that were portrayed. And working specifically through these individuals for whom we call for the judgment of the sacred fire in this hour before the throne of Almighty God. Oh, here it is. Okay, this goes on for like a good five minutes, so we'll That's spare you. That's amazing. I would really love to see that played at a club. You know, I feel like after 1 a.m. it could pass. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Very good. Very good, indeed. Love that. So she had this going for 10 plus years this whole movement she started but it got a lot more attention in 2012 after there was a very tragic death of one of her most devoted followers so this is where we're going to switch gears and talk about this individual who was a young girl named kelly pingilly who was once a part of sherry's movement so kelly pingilly was a bright girl from redford township michigan She was a very deep person who loved philosophy and spirituality. She and her friends were always sort of oddballs, so that's what really drew them together. Kelly was also a cheerleader in high school, and she loved anime and manga. After high school, Kelly's parents got divorced, and she had a crisis of faith. Her friends noticed that she was on the computer a lot more than usual, and she was getting into some pretty fringe spiritual beliefs. And at first, they weren't too concerned, but then Kelly had them watch some videos on YouTube from a channel called Vigilant Citizen. And those videos would break down music videos from artists like Lady Gaga and Kesha and point out any Illuminati symbolism in them. And she also spent a lot of time watching Sherry Shriner's videos. But then Kelly started getting deeper and deeper into these theories, and she told her friends that the four of them were angels. 
Her friends thought it was all pretty out there, but Sherry's teachings kind of became Kelly's religion. But they still weren't that concerned at this point. Kelly still acted pretty normal for the most part, and after all, everyone has different beliefs. So they figured it was sort of just an odd interest for her. But then Kelly started doing volunteer work for Sherry by transcribing her podcast episodes. And that's really how Sherry got a grip on Kelly. That and Oregon. Kelly loved Oregon. She truly believed in its powers and that it would protect her and others from demons and evil beings. So she gave out these pucks to her friends to protect them. She even went on multiple missions around the U.S. with Sherry to place Oregon. Kelly also wrote one of her friends a letter talking about the existence of evil beings and how to protect against them. Her friend didn't know what to do at this point because she knew she had to figure out a way to tell Kelly that she felt like she was going off the deep end with all of this, but without Kelly being able to shut her down in response. And her other friends were getting concerned about how deep Kelly was getting into these theories. She was always trying to talk to them about this stuff. And without really telling anyone, Kelly had quit school and her job. And then Kelly started telling one of her friends that she was astral projecting through her dreams. And in these dreams, aliens and reptiles were kidnapping her and doing awful things to her. Her friend said that she could get someone to help Kelly, assuming, you know, like a mental health professional. But Kelly said, not right now. In her live journal blog, Kelly described in very graphic detail memories of going to hell for three years. And she said that aliens abducted her and took her there when she was 12 and that they brutally tortured her and sexually abused her. And in the end of her last blog post, Kelly wrote that a horrible satanic kingdom was about to reign on earth. And if knowing that this was coming still wouldn't convince people to join the kingdom of God, nothing would. So clearly, Kelly foresaw an impending apocalypse. Kelly also started separating herself from Sherry around this time. It seemed like she had a different opinion on what God really wanted, and she believed that she could ask him herself. And that obviously put a rift between her and Sherry. Sherry wanted everyone to think that she was the only one who could talk to God. So Sherry ended up cutting her off and then sicked her followers onto her. And that may have led to the devastating events of December 28th, 2012. On that snowy night, Kelly drove over 40 minutes to an out-of-the-way area of Waterloo, Michigan, and on her way, she stopped at a CVS and brought a package of 30 Sleepinol tablets. Sleepinol is an over-the-counter sleep aid containing the same drug as Benadryl. It's an antihistamine that makes users drowsy. And after her drive, Kelly parked her car, walked into the woods, stopped at the clearing, and she took off her coat, folded it, and put it next to her, then laid down in the snow. And she had also taken all 30 of the sleep and all tablets. Kelly was found the next day by a group of kids who followed her footsteps into the woods, and she was wearing her beloved Oregon pendant, which Sherry sold online for $44. The police found her car parked nearby, and they also found a journal in a plastic bag where Kelly entered the woods, and it contained a note for her parents. And the note read, Mom and Dad, I'm off to fulfill my destiny with a smiley face. I love you all. Sorry I can't tell you where I'm going, smiley face. I don't know when I'll be back, so I wanted to make sure you all knew that I loved you, smiley face. Also, sorry about the car. Love, Kelly M. Pingilly, with a little heart. The coroner couldn't even determine whether it was an overdose or hypothermia that killed her. But either way, unfortunately, Kelly was dead. 
and her death was ruled a suicide. Now, Kelly's friend does not think that Kelly thought she was really committing suicide. Instead, she thought she was going to heaven to give Yah the key to hell, serve on a panel, and then come back. And since Kelly thought that she was an angel, she probably believed that she could come back to earth. And that belief was definitely influenced by Sherry's teachings. Her friends and family do not believe that Kelly was mentally ill other than maybe depression. And she was not schizophrenic or anything like that. So her mental health was not driving her towards her death. It was these beliefs and Sherry's ministry. Sherry told her followers that Kelly was killed by a NATO death squad. This was because Kelly was instructed by Obama and the White House to kill Sherry, but Kelly refused. Sherry was apparently number two on Obama's death list, like we mentioned earlier. And Sherry said that Kelly was a dedicated Oregon warrior who loved God and helped her on Oregoning missions on the East Coast. And she was taken out because of the threat that she posed to satanic forces. Sherry wrote that, quote, Kelly was dragged out of her car and quite forcibly. She didn't give up without a fight and they left all the fake evidence. They hired someone to imitate her writing. I'm getting that too. But did she leave any written messages? Yes, several to set it up as motivation for a suicide. NATO is involved. But Kelly's friend hit back against this theory that Sherry had about Kelly's death. And she said that Kelly didn't hitch a ride on a spaceship. She didn't die peacefully. It was a cold and silent death alone in the woods. She was looking for God and Shriner steered her into some weird crap. So Sherry was definitely trying to capitalize off the attention that she and her cult got after Kelly's death. She basically made the whole thing all about her And this would prove to be a sickening pattern for Sherry after the tragic events of her followers, Stephen Mineo and Barbara Rogers in 2017. This is so fucked up that she used this poor girl's death to make it about her mission to Mm -hmm. back up all the reasons why you should support her and continue doting for her. And ultimately become a warrior, an Oregon warrior for her. And feed absolute lies. it's sick. It's just, it's absolutely sick. I mean, the fact that this wasn't like a moral wake up call for Sherry to be mm-hmm. like, hmm, maybe what I'm doing is actually damaging people. Cause like mm-hmm. up until this point, there, there hadn't been necessarily any negative repercussions to what she was doing. Well, there was according to her, but like in real life, with other people besides her, she had no, you know, no sort of connection mm-hmm. really to any other people. Cause again, this is, this is a, a online cult that never met in person. Right. This is all virtual, all online. So as, as you know, it's very easy when you're doing, saying all this online and, and even for us sometimes just podcasting, it can be hard, you know, and this is why we love meeting you guys out in public because it really helps us sort of, remember who's actually listening to us and i think for sherry she has no attachment to anybody uh, up until this point she's just like it's all these random people out there it's just names and usernames and profile pictures and things like that there's no physical connection or attachment there so having kelly somebody who had done volunteer work for her mm-hmm. commit you know basically take her own life um, or maybe she succumbed to the elements from hyper, which either way, it's absolutely yeah. horrible. I mean, it's just, I would say that 
this was absolutely evil of Sherry to to use her death oh, yeah. to fire up her her following and be like, mm-hmm. we gotta fight harder because warriors are are falling and Although I'm not surprised at all that she did this because she seems like such a narcissist that she yeah. literally thinks she's like talking to God and as a prophet and all this stuff. Right. And so clearly she's very self-absorbed. And I think that all the her followers were feeding her ego as well. And mm-hmm. so I think in a way she was like, I can't let my followers down. Like these people are counting on me to continue to lead the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got work to do still. So it almost exactly. fueled the fire. And it just gets worse from here. So let's move on to Barbara Rogers. So Barbara Rogers was an army veteran and a mother of three from Florida. She'd been raised a Christian girl. So God was always a big part of her life. But before she joined Barbara's cult, she had a troubling history of mental illness throughout her entire life. Barbara had her first two kids, a daughter named Alina and her son has wanted to remain private and nameless with a man named George. And the two of them didn't stay together as she ended up joining the army. And it was actually in the army that she met another man named Joel. And Joel and her ended up getting married and having a son named Gabriel. But after Gabriel was born, Barbara started to experience psychosis and depression. She would call the local chaplain and ask him to get the demons out of her. While she was actually stationed in Germany, her bosses noticed that she was consistently coming into work late and disoriented. It was at that point that she started to take medication for bipolar disorder. But even with the meds, her functioning levels were just too low, and she ended up being medically discharged from the U.S. military because of her bipolar disorder. Her depression also reached extremely low points where she seriously contemplated suicide. At one point, Barbara actually attempted suicide by swallowing a bunch of pills and drinking bleach out of the bottle. Barbara was taken to the hospital, and she actually survived this attempt. But after this, Barbara's condition got way worse, and she and Joel ended up getting divorced. Barbara began writing in her diary that she was an earth angel in a fight against good and evil and that there were demons all around her. Again, she was raised Christian and so she believed that, you know, she was close to God and that this was part of her calling, her mission. So what attracted her to Sherry was obviously the belief that Sherry was also close to God as well. So they shared that that connection and that belief together. Barbara found out about Sherry Schreiner in 2011, and she would ask Sherry questions about her teachings. And Sherry was always very responsive. And later on through Sherry's Facebook group, she met another follower named Stephen Mineo. So Stephen Mineo was a 32-year-old man from the New York, New Jersey area who had been in Sherry's following and movement and cult for over a decade. Stephen had a good friend named Charles that he'd known since 2010, and they both had a lot of the same interests in things like guns, conspiracies, creating YouTube videos, and they also were self-proclaimed patriots who were both into the whole doomsday prepping, survival, and military surplus uh, sort of thing. So for the most part, though, Stephen was unemployed. He'd actually go through people's trash and find old computers or TVs. He'd then repair them and sell them online. Sometimes the police would actually catch him doing this and then fine him for it. And Stephen would send back the court summons and protest as he really developed this, this immense fear and distrust of the government. And he wanted to usher in the second American revolution. Apparently, Stephen's mother left the family when he was 16, leaving him vulnerable and looking for something to be a part of, which, of course, this is the exact type of thing a, a cult or a group like this is looking for. These types of people that are, you know, are looking to fill you know, that void in their life. 
So Stephen always dreamed of being in the mountains, so the Poconos in Pennsylvania seemed like an ideal place to escape the busyness of where he grew up. But Sherry was the one who really put this idea of retreating to the mountains in his head. She suggested that Stephen move to Poconos because it would be safe, and Stephen would be protected from martial law and the New World Order. Plus, he could set up a base of operations for his dream of starting the Second American Revolution. And once he moved there, he definitely seemed like he really enjoyed living there. Stephen was a huge prepper. He thought that the Poconos was the best place to survive the apocalypse. And although his house in Tobihana, Pennsylvania was small, it gave him enough outdoor space to commune with nature. He basically lived in a studio apartment, uh, basically like a duplex. And right outside of his duplex was just a bunch of, of woods that he could go into and shoot and do whatever he wanted to do, basically. Stephen also made organ, that substance that we talked about earlier that was a huge part of Sherry's group. So Sherry would sometimes send Stephen organ, and then he would go out and drive to random spots around town, and he would just throw it out there. And he would actually set up what he called organ energy fields. Stephen really wasn't a creepy guy, but Charles said that his beliefs were really out there. It was definitely off-putting to hear him talk about Sherry Shriner and Oregon and shape-shifting reptilians. But Charles was also into conspiracies. He just wasn't in it as deep as Stephen was. So that's why he was surprised to hear that he had a girlfriend, a 42-year-old woman named Barbara Rogers. They were both members of Sherry's movement and her Facebook group. And Stephen and Barbara both took an interest in each other. And things kind of went from there. According to Charles, though, everything in Stephen's life started going wrong when he met Barbara. The couple actually dated online for a while, but eventually in 2016, Barbara came up from Florida to meet Stephen in person for the first time. And after three more trips, the two realized that they were in love. Stephen asked Barbara to move in with him, and she said yes. The news that Barbara and Stephen were dating came as a shock to many who knew him. His mother said he would never really talk to girls, and according to Charles, any normal person would not have dated Stephen just because his beliefs were so out there. And Charles got weird vibes about Barbara when he saw pictures of her. There was just something so dark in her eyes and her face looked hauntingly emotionless. To Charles, she looked like an evil witch. Even one of his non-conspiracy friends agreed that she looked like a witch. So that made him think that there was something up with Barbara. But Charles was still happy that Stephen found someone that made him happy and shared his beliefs. He was still a little worried that Barbara was trying to use Stephen, though. And once Barbara moved in, Stephen wanted her to start calling him her husband. So they essentially considered themselves married, and Barbara changed her Facebook name to Barbara Mineo. They just didn't feel the need to get the government involved in their marriage. And all was seemingly well for a while, but suddenly the couple started getting death threats. On May 30th, 2017, Stephen called the police and told them he was being harassed. He told an officer over the phone that he and his wife were getting disturbing, threatening messages on Facebook. The messages stated that these individuals were going to capture them and feed Barbara to Sherry, who they referred to as the Queen of Heaven or Queen Shaz. They were also sending him pictures of his house. Stephen tried to put on a brave face, but these messages were clearly freaking him out. He reached out to a group chat made up of Sherry and some of her followers and asked for prayers. Sherry responded by saying that she would have dad, as in God, send angels to protect them. So this initially reassured Stephen, but he didn't realize that the messages were coming from the other members of Sherry's cult. 
Stephen posted a lot of comments on Facebook about Sherry and her teachings. Barbara, on the other hand, didn't post much at all. Barbara now believes that Sherry targeted her because of this. And Sherry wanted Barbara to fall in line and publicly worship her like the rest of her followers. So that's where these death threats came in. But the real breaking point here was when Barbara posted a picture of raw meat. She actually said that this is the best thing ever with the cut up minced garlic. I just crave raw meat all the time for some reason. I know some are grossed out by it, but it's a delicacy to me. I actually don't think that's that weird. Is that really weird that I've always craved raw meat? Mm. Like whenever someone's preparing a steak or something, it looks good. Like I just want to like have yeah. a bite of it. Never actually done it, but but that post really set Sherry off. She accused Barbara of being a reptile after she saw the post. Sherry said Barbara ingests blood, which is something that witches do. Therefore, she was a vampire witch super soldier. So here's Sherry describing some of Barbara's red flags. But then we started noticing some of the stuff she was posting on her Facebook and some of the people and associations she had in her friends list. And I was like, wait a minute, something's not right here. Something is really not right here. And when you look at her pictures, she had no light. She had no aura. She's like a dead carcass. What's that about? A dead card. And I recognized some of the names on her list, which was red flags for me because I knew they were super soldiers. And she posted this post about craving raw meat and this ghastly picture of raw hamburger meat. And I knew that was a Wiccan Satanist kind of picture uh, because there's only certain types of people who crave raw meat because they crave the blood. And that's, oh, shit. that's those with me. the vampire demon in them. And I, I recognized one of the names in her friend list because it was a super soldier that had been assigned to kill me several years ago. She's clearly not informed on, you know, when you get meat, how there's what looks like red liquid on it. Mm -hmm. And Sherry probably thinks that's blood. Mm -hmm. It's not even blood. It's a water and myoglobin. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, I thought for the longest time too that you yeah. know meat came bloody, but it's not. It's it's not blood. It's just used to help the meat get transported. Interesting. So unless literally it's a piece of a hunk of flesh from an animal or something that's got blood on it, but the picture was you know of like the packaged meat. There's no blood on it. Mm. Well, anyway, from there, Sherry and all of her followers began attacking Barbara viciously. Stephen thought that he could try to talk to Sherry and make her realize that there'd been some sort of mistake. I mean, he knew Barbara. They were in love. Sherry must have it all wrong. She's not a witch. He even tested Barbara to prove this. While she was sleeping one night, Stephen videotaped himself placing organ pucks on her. If Barbara really was a vampire or a witch, these pucks would have killed her because that's just what they do. He sent this video to the cult as proof of Barbara's innocence, but Sherry would not change her mind. She kept telling Stephen to leave Barbara or else she would destroy him. But Stephen realized that he had caught Sherry in a lie and she wasn't giving up. So he started accusing her of being a false prophet. And from there, Sherry sicked her followers on him. She also booted him from the cult. And this was obviously devastating to Stephen. This group had been his life and his whole family for many years at this point. His entire belief system wasn't shared by anyone outside of the group. And now 
the only people that understood him like that turned their backs on him. They hated him and his alien reptile wife, and his world was shattered. Stephen went into a full-on crisis of faith. He didn't know what was true and what wasn't true anymore. And the reality of it was all crushing, confusing, and traumatizing. And now he was pissed. He wanted to expose Sherry and come out against her. So he started planning a series of videos. But he was going to need help exposing her. He wanted a man named Richard Brown, who lived near Sherry, to help make a video about her. Stephen wanted Richard to say that Sherry was a fat cigarette smoker who ate pork and shrimp. And these are all things that go against the Bible. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Shrimp and pork. There's some really weird things. I never. Like the mixed fabrics thing, too. I've always thought that was really interesting. You're supposed to have like 100% cotton or you're sinning. Right? Yeah, that's some fundamentalist shit right there. I mean, I'd say most Christian denominations out there don't don't follow that. Yeah, I definitely know a lot of Christians. Who Although I didn't eat a lot of shrimp growing up. Really? No. <laughs> Was that on purpose or do your parents just not like seafood? No, and just, yeah, they're not into seafood. So, I mean, <laughs> I should ask them maybe it's biblical, but I doubt it because we did eat pork. So I also just want to say that this other, that Sherry and other right-wing individuals like her oftentimes loop Wiccans into this whole like devil worshiping, mm-hmm. blood drinking. And it's just so false. It's hilarious. It's just, it's funny, honestly. And it, if you understood anything about Wiccans and, you know, people who, you know, consider themselves paganism. witches, like in paganism and stuff, you would know it's, it's really quite the opposite of all these stereotypes that mm-hmm. they like to throw on witches that they're all evil and, and doing all these horrific rituals and things like that. When in reality, it's actually quite the opposite which is kind of interesting to me because Oregon is very like I feel like a lot of pagans would use that people mm-hmm. who are into crystals and that type of stuff but then right. she was so obsessed with that right it's very much like she was like, part of the Wiccan that's what she does she takes a little of this takes a little of that kind of mixes everything together into her own little fun the sherry stew world man. yeah the sherry stew the sherry special man uh, but anyway, this guy Richard did not want to help Stephen make a video. And he wanted Stephen to expose that Sherry had actually crafted and stolen her teachings from paganism and Greek mythology. But Stephen didn't agree with that plan. He wanted to get even and take Sherry down. Stephen needed her followers to know the truth about their prophet. And this caused a back and forth where Stephen became just as exasperated trying to get Richard to make his video. But Richard wasn't going to budge. So he turned elsewhere for help. On July 6, 2017, he called up a PI named Philip Bell and asked him to try and get videos and photos of Sherry Shriner. He wanted to make a video of her smoking a cigarette and acknowledging that she was the Sherry Shriner. But Stephen was surprised to learn that the PI services weren't cheap. Can you imagine that? He could only afford four hours of their time. And this you know, isn't really going to get him anywhere. Stephen then started posting a series of videos denouncing Sherry as a false prophet, but this still didn't stop the immense emotional pain that he was feeling over leaving the cult. For months, Sherry Schreiner and her followers caused a lot of stress in Barbara and Stephen's relationship. Stephen was really starting to unravel because of this situation. He was sometimes suicidal, and he once referenced wanting to check himself into a mental institution. He told his YouTube viewers that Sherry made him want to kill himself. As for Barbara, she stopped taking her bipolar medication. 
and she also started to drink a lot more than she usually did. So the only address that was out there before the PI got involved was a PO box for Sherry. So they knew like what town Sherry was in, but the PI was able to figure out what what Sherry's actual address was. But when they went to her address, because they were going to try to do surveillance on her to try to get these, you know, images or video recordings that Stephen wanted. But the problem was, is that Sherry lived down her, her driveway was just like down a basically like a dirt road into the forest. So it was like way back in some, some woods. So there's no way without drawing attention to themselves and going on her property and trespassing that they would ever be able to actually see her. And plus they, they would stay out there and wait for Sherry to leave and go to work or anything, but they quickly mm-hmm. realized Sherry don't leave the house. She's not going anywhere. She doesn't go anywhere. Her car mm-hmm. doesn't start. So <laughs> yeah, she must get the, the groceries delivered or something. So, so yeah, they weren't able to get anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess it was a good thing. Steven didn't spend more money because yeah. it wouldn't have worked anyway. Cause I, he, I, he probably didn't even know that Sherry didn't even leave the house. I think he thought he was going to be able to get all this evidence and catch her out in public doing this yeah. or that and then expose her as this big fraud, but that's really never happened. So this leads us to July 15th, 2017, when things took a horrible turn for the worse. So that day, Stephen was messaging back and forth with Sherry. She was basically telling him that she was surprised that his quote unquote vampire whore wife hadn't soul scalped him by now. And she also warned him that she put her enemies in quote unquote, his hands, and that father's anger won't hold out too much longer on you. And the attack of harassing messages from Sherry's followers continued. On Facebook, Stephen saw a bunch of comments written by a person named Marion, who claimed that Barbara was a witch and a reptile. That really upset Stephen, and he started writing a bunch of comments back. Barbara said she tried to calm him down and convince him just to forget about the whole thing, but it was really starting to get to him. Stephen apparently agreed and suggested that they go to a bar and have some fun and let off some steam. So they went and Barbara said that everything seemed normal. They had a couple drinks and just relaxed. Then when they got home, Stephen apparently told Barbara that he needed to practice shooting his gun. He asked her to walk with him into the woods, so he loaded the gun and the two headed out into the forest. Stephen fired a few rounds and asked Barbara if she wanted to fire a shot, but Barbara said, no, I'm good. And then they went back to the house and Stephen suddenly grabbed the gun again and he kept trying to put it in Barbara's hands. While doing this, he was yelling, take it, point it at me. Then he placed the gun in Barbara's hands and clasped his hands around hers. Stephen then yelled, point it at me and shoot it right now. Barbara said that's when the gun went off. 20 minutes later, Barbara called 911. She sobbed and told the police that her boyfriend placed a gun in her hand and it just went off, and she shot him. But the police said the 911 call sounded off from the start. When officers arrived at the scene, they entered the home and found Stephen dead on the ground with a single bullet wound to his forehead. There were no apparent signs of a struggle. At that point, they took Barbara into the station for questioning as they wanted to get a sense of how all of this happened. So Barbara told the detective that Stephen was a close friend and a follower of a woman named Sherry Schreiner. This Sherry ran some sort of weird religious cult and posted on Facebook about aliens. The detective asked Barbara if she and Stephen were part of that cult, and Barbara replied that only Stephen was, but that they had both been close friends with her. And then one day, Sherry randomly turned on the both of them after they had become a couple. The police obviously were asking what the name of this cult was, but Barbara said that there wasn't a name for the cult, but the members themselves were Oregon warriors. Based on what the detective saw at the scene, 
and what Barbara was describing to them just didn't add up. So they continued to try to have Barbara explain exactly what happened in more detail. Barbara repeatedly said that Stephen put the gun in her hand and aimed it at himself. And he said, here, shoot it right now, and that's when the gun went off. She explained that she and Stephen were standing up beside the bed when this happened, and that the whole thing was an accident. Barbara was trying to let go of the gun when it went off. But a detective said that the gun, which was a Glock 45, was sitting five feet away from Stephen when they arrived. As this didn't match up with somebody who had just shot themselves, as the gun would have normally just fell to the floor or been thrown to the floor. In this case, it looked like the gun had been neatly placed next to Stephen's body. When the gun went off, Barbara told the detective that Stephen's hands could have been off of it, but that they both had their hands on the gun at the same time. Barbara said that Stephen pushed her away before it went off. The detective also noted that the wound shape indicated that the shot was taken from very close contact range, almost like a star shape, and it didn't look like he was standing when the gun went off. Based on Stephen's body position where they found him, it suggested that he had actually been sitting on the floor, but Barbara was very firm with the detective saying, no, 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 he wasn't sitting, we were both standing when the gun went off. So obviously based on the physical scene that they observed, this was setting off alarm bells for detectives as they were very, very certain based on what they saw that Stephen had been sitting when he had been shot and that Barbara wasn't telling the truth. When the detective left the interrogation room, Barbara kept saying to herself quietly because they had her on camera, they had audio recorded, and she was kind of muttering things to herself. And she said, I don't remember how it happened. I just wish he was alive. And I miss you. I miss you already. Then she appeared to be praying or crying into her hands. And she whispered, I don't know what happened, but I did not want to shoot him in the head. Of course not. I wish he was here with me. Oh, Stephen, I miss you. She even at one point mentioned, quote, imagine what that woman's going to think. I can't believe he's dead. He told me that if he ever died, he'd come back and be a guardian angel for me. Oh, Stephen, are you with me right now? The detectives then confronted Barbara and said that they knew Stephen was sitting on the floor. They told her that they thought she shot Stephen on purpose. The detective says she might not have thought about it all day, meaning it wasn't something she fully planned, like this wasn't premeditated, but it could have been a spur of the moment type of thing after maybe she got mad, and then she shot him, and she now regrets it. They asked her if this scenario was possible, and Barbara said that she didn't know, and that again, she and Stephen were standing up when he placed the gun in her hand. The detectives repeated that this wasn't what happened, but they did say they understood why her memory might be cloudy at this particular time. This had just happened, and she had been interrogated for six hours, and obviously going through a traumatic thing like she just did, it was probably very hard for her to sort of process everything and be able to tell the detectives exactly what had happened. But the detectives were insistent that Barbara knew the truth and they know that she was sorry, but they wanted her to be honest with them. So at this point, Barbara continued changing her story, sort of, and detectives didn't believe her. Also, she was a military veteran, so they thought Barbara definitely had to have had experience with guns before including handguns and knew how to shoot them. When she took the detectives through a recreation of what happened, they asked her a bunch of questions about the sequence of events, and through her answers, she pretty much admitted to having the gun against Stephen's head and pulling the trigger. By the end of this, they charged her with criminal homicide, and Barbara was arrested. So according to toxicology reports, Stephen was very intoxicated at the time of his death. His blood alcohol content was 0.15, and he had toxic amounts of of mitragynine in his system. 
Mitragynine is an alkaloid found in the psychoactive plant Kratom. Barbara said that her interrogation was a blur. She felt like she was stuck in a bad dream and that she was hallucinating. She said she was also intoxicated during the shooting and during her interrogation. Three days after Stephen died, Sherry came online with an important message. She said that God had revealed to her what had happened in the room that night, and she knew exactly how Stephen died. So let's take a listen to how Stephen died according to Sherry. The father let me hear a conversation, but he's very upset that she killed him. He was, he was yelling that, and I'll be very frank, he said, that bitch killed me. You know, in some of her pictures that she posted, her eyes were in slits, and that's typical of reptilian possession. And that would give her superhuman strength. Steve couldn't get away from her. And, and these are things the father revealed to me, that they were both in bed and she was looking on her phone. I don't know if she saw they were watching TV and it was, they were watching the Resident Evil series, which, by the way, is about super soldiers. She was sitting next to Steve and she saw blood and she got all excited. She just, ooh, blood, you know, and... And her face contorted, and that demon started manifesting in her. Okay. And Steve looked over, and he saw it, and it terrified him. He he basically screamed, who the F-U are you? What the F-U is going on? And then he yelled, uh, Sherry was right about you. I should have listened. And it threw her in a rage. And she jumped up at him and stood on the bed, and, and he he yelled, I'm not going to say he screamed, but he screamed, he yelled, and he started to run to get away from her. And she, that thing at this point, because it was no longer her, knocked him down. And she ran and got her gun. He was in, I think, the kitchen, trying to get to wherever the door is, trying to get to the door. I think she shot him in the leg because I see him running and then fall. And then when he was on the floor, she walked up to him and he was begging for his life. He didn't want to die. And she said, F you. And she put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger. Again, using Stephen's death to yeah. pump herself up again. That yeah. father gave her this inside look of what happened. Mm -hmm. And notice how she said in there, you know, he realized or said that Sherry told me, you know, was right about you yeah. in there. Saying <laughs> yeah, that like, oh yeah, Sherry, Sherry's all knowing. Yeah. Sherry knows for mm -hmm. sure. Who's a reptilian? You could end up not. like Stephen if you don't listen to yeah, exactly. Sherry. Exactly. She's using it as another fear tactic. Like, oh, these mm -hmm. things might kill you if you don't yeah. listen to me. If you don't look out for these reptilian. She also wrote, quote unquote, I warned Stephen she was a super soldier who would finally kill him and move on. But I'm the false prophet. Perhaps he finally figured her out and it was too late for him. It wasn't the online cult that killed him as they always try to paint me as a cult. Nice try, libtards. We've got another video alleging Barb's shape-shifting. So this appears to be like clone number four of Barb Rogers that I know of. Clearly you can see she's morphing, she's synthetic. Look at the palms, folks. Look at the palm of her hands from wrist. Look at her wrist. Her face is melting. That's very blurry. Her hand morphs in and out in all of her pictures. Look at her pinky. This is the first thing I notice. And then look at the length of this palm of her hand. Now, this clearly Bro, is a 42-year-old woman, it's like but it's not the one yeah. that was dating Steve Maneo. Much older-looking woman. Look at these pictures. Look at the contrast. This was taken... These are the ones she had with Steve online. These are her mug shots when she was arrested. Two different people, folks. I mean, come on, folks. These are two what? different people. The one dating Steve, the one arrested. Dude, What's geez. going on here? What's the game? 
She's off total her fucking rocker. Folks. They look total exactly the same. Total Subscribe sign to my up. channel, folks. Yep, there you go. Become a patron. Become <laughs> oh, a my God. So tacky. Shameless plug, man. Subscribe to my man. YouTube channel. Thank you. Oh, my God. So the pictures, the the shape-shifting evidence she's showing is clearly a clip of there was local news footage of Barbara being let out by detectives in handcuffs. And it's clear that it's motion blur that's going on from like, you know, if you stop a frame like in the middle of a frame or something and there's like some blur on the screen or it's just low res, it looks like it's just playing the video at maybe like 240p or something. And she's saying that, you know, her hands are deformed and everything looks, but the detective looks all blurry and deformed too. So yeah. is he shape shifting yeah. as well? It's just, yeah, it's, oh Total man. Bullshit. So Sherry said she wanted the real Barb Rogers who killed Stephen Nail on trial. The one that they had in custody was just the clone. She also went on radio shows and told people Barbara needed to be investigated further and claimed, believe it or not, and, these, and she went on like, more mainstream radio shows with like news outlets. And she was making these accusations saying that Barbara needed to be investigated further because she had killed at least four other people up in the Poconos. Hmm. And it's like, what got away with just it. Just going out there and saying that though, to make like, yeah, fucking wild. According to Sherry, she warned Stephen that Barbara was a super soldier trained to kill him. Plus, since she was in the military, she'd been microchipped. And once that chip was activated, they could take total control of her. On the day Barbara's trial started, Sherry started a Patreon and promised subscribers her take on the trial and exclusive insight into what happened. She, again, absolutely used Stephen's death as a way to get more publicity for her ministry. She again went on to a bunch of different radio shows thinking her words were going to draw people in. She was very happy about getting on some larger shows because obviously she thought she'd be able to draw in more followers, which would equal more money for her. But obviously Sherry's intentions with, with all this and going on these shows and saying the things that she did was so that the world knew really that if you crossed her that you would potentially be dealt with and end up dead potentially. Like she even said, like people would come after me, you can feel free, come after me, but you're gonna get killed. She'd literally say these words and trying to scare people into not coming after her, but also pumping up this idea that she is the daughter of God. At Barbara's trial, the prosecution really pushed for a first-degree murder conviction, and they presented a pretty clear story of what they thought happened. First, they argued that the position Stephen was found in was not typical of a suicide. It was more consistent with someone sitting down, looking up at a gun placed on their forehead. He had been sitting on the floor in a relaxed position with his right leg crossed over his left, and this was very rare for a supposed suicide. And Barbara had no blood on her. Detectives chalked that up to Barbara cleaning herself up and the crime scene. This would explain the 20 minutes after Stephen's death before she called the police. She also gave the dispatcher the wrong address and seemed really all over the place. But Barbara's defense attorneys tried to corroborate Barbara's story in multiple different ways. They argued that she had mental health issues and at the time of her interrogation, she hadn't slept in over a day which made these issues much worse. So the way the detectives questioned this mentally fragile woman made her doubt what she saw and what was reality. They said that Barbara told detectives 24 times Stephen's death 
was an accident, but the police didn't like what they were hearing, so they were going to keep pressing her and pushing her until she gave them what they wanted. Detectives interrogated Barbara for six hours while she was fragile and tired after witnessing a traumatic event. They weren't happy with her story, so an exhausted Barbara kept changing her story to appease them. But according to the defense, they couldn't introduce Barbara's bipolar disorder at the trial unless they conceded that Barbara was guilty of third-degree murder. But the defense didn't want to do that, so they couldn't introduce that evidence to the jury. The defense also revealed that Barbara wasn't trained on handguns. They said that Barbara was only trained with a rifle, and she'd never fired a handgun before. She was a supply clerk who barely qualified the rifle testing. Her job was in logistics, not combat. The prosecution thought that given her army training, Barbara had some experience with handguns. Plus, her shooting stance was something they claimed she would have known how to do. It was a proper stance, so she'd have to have some knowledge of what she was doing. According to the defense's ballistic expert, Barbara's story was consistent with evidence. If Stephen's hands had been on hers while it was wrapped around the gun and he pulled the trigger for her, it's highly possible the bullet casing would have been left in the chamber, and it was. But the jury was not very convinced by this presentation. The prosecution argued that this wasn't how it happened, and it seemed like they believed them more than the defense. The prosecution argued that Barbara's motive was that she was done with the relationship. She wanted to get rid of him and move on. But the defense argued that Barbara loved Stephen and didn't want to leave him. It was Stephen that wanted to die. He had Sherry and her thousands of followers turn against him. Stephen said that Sherry mentally tortured people and he had wanted to kill himself because of her. At the same time, suicide is a grave religious sin and Stephen was very Christian. Barbara believes Stephen just didn't know how to kill himself and still go to heaven. And for that reason, he placed the gun in Barbara's hand and told her to shoot. The gun went off on accident and Stephen was dead. But the jury didn't exactly see it that way. In March of 2019, they convicted her of third-degree murder and sentenced her to 15 to 40 years in prison. She avoided the first-degree murder charge that would have potentially sent her to prison for life, which obviously upset Stephen's family. And Barbara and her legal team said that they would be appealing the conviction. So Barbara Rogers is still in jail for the death of Stephen Maneo. A state superior court panel upheld her third-degree murder conviction in February of 2021. As for Sherry, by the mid-2010s, Sherry was in poor shape health-wise. She was a smoker. She'd also had multiple heart attacks and she was frequently coughing on her radio show. When Sherry got sick, though, she didn't explain her absence from her platform by saying she's been ill. The explanation was always that she was under attack from satanic forces. To her followers, this was, of course, more proof that she was God's mouthpiece that satanic forces were trying to kill her over and over again because of all the preaching she was doing online. But she was still alive after all these heart attacks, so God must have been intervening in order to protect her. However, it seems like it might have been quite the opposite, that maybe God finally decided to step out because Sherry Schreiner passed away from a heart attack on January 8, 2018, just three days after her last video was uploaded to YouTube. This was also the date of her husband's 50th birthday. According to her followers, Lore, the night she died, the Lord told Sherry to get ready for bed. So she did. She put on some worship music and God took her. But she didn't die. God took her soul before the devil could get it. 
After Sherry died, her daughter Melanie and some of her most trusted followers continued to run her Facebook page for a while. But as of now, all of her websites, I believe, are taken down. It doesn't look like she has an active Facebook group anymore, and her Twitter isn't active. Her YouTube channels are still up, though, but it hasn't been updated since three days before her death. But that is the, the end of the Sherry Shriner saga and her wild online group. I'm, one thing I wanted to, I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. Stephen's death for a moment because yeah. there is a lot, you know, obviously there's a lot of controversy around whether or not Barbara yeah. should have been found guilty of third degree murder and be in prison for as long as she's going to be because there's a lot of things that could have happened here. Obviously the prosecution was very hell bent on getting a conviction in this case. And based on what her defense lawyers have said, I mean, and what you can actually see in the interrogation footage, again, if you want to see more of this, you know, and and kind of make up your mind a little bit better, we are not able to play a lot of this because it's exclusive to this vice. Uh, The devil, you know, it's on Hulu, I believe. It's on YouTube as well. We'll we'll link it for you guys if you want to watch it after this because it, it is interesting to see some of the actual listen to the audio and hear the interrogations of Barbara because the detectives really did push her to sort of confess to, you know, it was her that held the gun and she was mm-hmm. the one who pulled the trigger and everything. But again, she said it was an accident 24 times. And I think if you're not familiar with the the Glock 45 as well, I think one thing I'd be interested to to know more about is is if, you know, first of all, the expert that they brought in, the defense brought in for who was a Glock expert, he he did this demonstration and they did ended up do, using it in court. But the way that Stephen could have been holding it with, you know, holding around her hands in order to ultimately have her be the one that pulls the trigger, but really he's the one pulling the trigger because he's got his hands around hers. I think it's important mm. to note too, and I'd be interested to see if there was any sort of, you know, aftermarket trigger put on the gun. Because with guns, you can you can replace the triggers on it to have different pull weights, which right. affect, you know, affect the how easy or how hard it is to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes you can lighten that up. So really, just the slightest movement. If you've got two hands in there, right. like it'd be very very easy to put a minimal amount of pressure on the trigger and have it go off. Mm-hmm. And based on all the circumstances and everything, obviously, it was very clear that they were both intoxicated. Yeah. Which, when you're intoxicated and you bring firearms into the the situation, it's not ever a good scenario. It doesn't end well, usually, in most situations like that. So that that right there is very telling to what might have actually happened. And I, I think you really have to, and just like with Kelly, you what her friends said that, she literally thought she was on this mission, you know, for God and that she wasn't actually going to die. She was going to go do this mission and potentially return um, or fulfill a, a greater destiny. And and in Stephen's case, he really did believe. I mean, this guy yeah. was mm-hmm. deep, deep in it. He yeah, was in this for years. Was. He believed in to all this to his core. And I think that and I think that was really brushed away by the prosecution. They were just so hell bent on on convicting somebody in this case and they wanted to, you know, put this murder on her and in their version of events and it makes sense based on their religious and spiritual beliefs that Stephen 
may have been in a you know a crisis at that moment and mm-hmm. wanted to take his own life and he didn't want to do it himself because that would mean he'd go straight to hell and obviously as a christian the point is to make it to heaven so the only way for that to happen but also get what he wanted was for barbara to be ultimately the one that held the gun right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in my mind i i think this was just a horrible situation that there was a crisis and ultimately I, I believe barbara i think this was a accident really that i don't think barbara shot him because of he she, he want she wanted out of the relationship i don't think there's anything to indicate that at all yeah that doesn't seem like there's a, too much evidence for that no there's really no no i'm i'm just like totally torn on this one it's really hard to say do you do you have an opinion yeah, I'm really torn too. Part of me thinks not, but because yeah, the whole idea of like, does she have a reason to kill him? Oh, it seems like no. She the was, motives weak that they she, brought. Yeah, it seemed like they were happy together. Like it seemed like there was nothing leading up to the fact yeah. that all of a sudden she's gonna kill him. They had mm-hmm. just been happier earlier that day. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing is like in situations where the significant other murders the other person there's usually signs and other events that occur prior to mm-hmm. the murder happening right that would right. point to this being a predictable outcome however in this case this really seems like they got fucked up at the bar they came back he's on kratom which if you've never done kratom before on top of alcohol yeah oh i my mean God. you are gonna be yeah. very fucked up and like kratom is an a, almost like a natural sedative like it, it will if you take a lot of it, it will. It feels like a, uh, you know, you took a, you know, a Percocet or something, yeah. and your body's completely numb, and so it's kind of like this perfect recipe for disaster that that they end up in, and you know, they're both emotionally unstable in the moment. Stevens having this crisis in life in general with his beliefs, he's pissed off at Sherry. You know, yeah. he feels like his whole world's collapsed on mm-hmm. him because he was mm-hmm. so invested in Sherry. And this group and the movement and the Oregon warriors and all that. He was completely exiled from that. And so what is he left with? He's left with nothing and Mm -hmm. like no, you know, he feels like his purpose has been taken away and and he wasn't able to expose her in the way that he wanted to. So he's kind of like a lot of things point to him being kind of at this end of the road place. And in what his friends told uh, the vice reporters was that, Barbara was really kind of subservient to Stephen from what they observed. So what Mm -hmm. that tells me is that it's very possible that Barbara was, you know, just in the moment with Stephen and and just following what he was saying to do. And I think, and and I think that's what the defense, her defense actually discovered is like, yeah, this is, this is what happened. And the police and prosecution just absolutely wanted to disregard that and didn't want to, you know, Ultimately, you're, they're talking about two crazies here, according to the you know law enforcement. You know, they just think these two crazies and one shot the other, and you know that's the end yeah. of the story. Like, let's wrap it up, convict her, and move on, and put another conviction. And what's interesting too, and don't tell me that this doesn't play into it, but the district the district attorney on this case, this was his first murder case. Yeah, that's so huge. that's a huge reason for him to want to mm-hmm. convict somebody. He just became district attorney, or it was his first murder case. Of course, he wants, you know, there. And that's right. what's so fucked up and broken about our system is like, at the end of the day, is it about finding out what the truth is and and justice being served properly, or is it about 
other people's agendas and reputations that are on the line. And what yeah. we find over and over again is that it's more about oh, it's true. those involved, the reputations and their egos and how the rest of the world sees them as opposed to the actual people whose lives are going to be forever impacted by this. And because of what I think is a misjustice of Barbara, if anything, if anything, if I were to, if I were to put a consequence to this, if she did pull the trigger in this circumstance, manslaughter would have been a more appropriate charge for this. I agree. And, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, she goes to prison for five years, maybe 10 years and Mm -hmm. it doesn't ruin the rest of her life. And she has an opportunity to come back into society because based on what everybody has said, her daughter who's absolutely broken by the fact that her mother and just blown away that this even happened, Mm -hmm. that she's not this cold callous murderer that, you know, the media and, and, the prosecution made her out to be that in fact this was just a horrible situation that went wrong she was just doing what steven told her to do and was just in the moment yeah. and just things it went could terribly be. wrong but on the other hand i mean you have steven's family and yeah they're pissed yeah they think they think she killed him so and maybe she did so yeah it's i don't know it's a i just struggle with the why i struggle with the motive and the yeah, why i, I don't see, see how this benefits her in any way mm-hmm. and and if that if that were the case, if she murdered him, why wouldn't she go on the run? Why wouldn't she try to escape? Why wouldn't she try to make it harder to catch her? You know, she literally called the nine one one, and if you listen to the nine one one tape, she's very upset when she's calling. She can barely talk, and you know, you can take that for what it is. But yeah, and that doesn't necessarily not necessarily mean anything. anything but, but, but I mean, she did wait twenty minutes to call, and she gave the wrong address, so that is a little well, weird. Like, yeah. if because mm-hmm. I feel like if she did. Wasn't if like he, the wrong address. She just missed a, a number. Okay. From it. Well, forget about that. I'm talking about the 20 minute thing. Let's say that he shot, and you know, you're not certain that he's dead. Wouldn't you call immediately? Right. right. Immediately. That's a, that's a huge point, and that's why I am. But so why torn why in this. call at all at that so point? Confusing. If you're gonna murder somebody, why call at that point? Why well, not? There's a lot of leave cases. the leave the yeah the place and well, go. No, there's tons of cases where oh, yeah, totally people commit murders and then they call and leave crazy. 911 calls and you know mm-hmm. sounds a lot like christian andriacchio remember he gave the wrong address he called yeah late. but a totally different it, that i don't know if you can really correlate no i two. know i'm just saying like it doesn't she was necessarily like prove anything one and it's six six one so it was like missing a right. one and number and she was distraught she just, when she was yeah talking so yeah and but i'm not saying still, it's still i don't know it's it's just the whole thing is very confusing well regardless what what are your thoughts on because obviously people are are up in arms because they feel for both deaths that Sherry should have had you know Sherry have been should have been held accountable in some way for how, the deaths. How do you hold her accountable? What can you under the law? You can't. Right. She never forced them to do it. She was never even like physically with any of right. them. This was all online. Mm-hmm. So, I I mean obviously. Anybody can listen to anybody. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we all have control over ourselves. I mean, yeah, we can be manipulated by people mentally and, you know, through the Internet and listening to people, what they say. And we can listen to what they say and go go and act on that. But Sherry didn't actually do anything to anybody. She's just in her home, sick I mean, at her computer. Yeah. yeah, maybe online harassment. But like, mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's obviously dangerous. But yeah, I mean, what can you legally, I don't think there's anything, you know. 
and and at the end of the day did she, was she really this cult leader or was she just this person that found internet fame in the worst ways possible for sure and yeah. you know she found a way to manipulate people i i think ultimately i think this is what's the the craziest thing about a lot of these people is like i'm like how much does she even believe in this spiritual stuff mm-hmm. how much of it is just her trying to get donations and money to support herself and continue her life without having to like struggle or do, you know, she clearly was in poor health. She probably had medical bills. She probably had all these things. She couldn't, she had not, didn't even have a working car, she claims. And so I don't, sometimes I even question her whole act, like how much of this stuff she was spewing does she actually believe? Yeah. And and is it more about, about, being it, you know this ego it's feeding mm-hmm. the ego and fe- you know i am you know i have these people that are pre- you know people get this really this false sense about them when people start praising them online and we see this in all facets of online activity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. youtubers podcast yeah. i mean it, there is this element of like online interaction yeah. that feeds into the individuals who are at the helm of these various groups or, or channels or podcasts and and some then take that and then are like, oh, I'm going to use that to, you know, further my agenda, further what, you know, I believe my mission. And so yeah, where do you draw like, the line? Is it like, is it okay as long as it's not negative and doesn't impact other people in a harmful way? Or is it all mm-hmm, bad? Mm-hmm. Is this influence all bad? It kind of reminds me of Alex Jones and how a lot of people believe that a lot of what he says he doesn't actually believe that it's just kind of a an act because he knows it'll rile people up and at the end of the day his motive is fame and money and doesn't really care you know how he acquires that and how much does he actually believe the things that he says. Well what happens is people realize the more shocking and outlandish things I can say equals more clicks, more views, which ultimately results into more money. Yeah. And this was a huge problem that YouTube had. And this is why we had to really shift gears from where we started because mm-hmm. what happened on YouTube and, you know, Alex Jones was deplatformed and all these things is like there was so much toxicity on the internet, especially surrounding conspiracy theories. And yeah. and, and what happened was there was tons yeah. and tons of people. And I even know, I even follow a couple channels just to kind of keep tabs on them. I already know, I know a couple people and I won't name them, but that are literally just another version of Sherry Shriner and maybe yeah. not in, a, in as toxic as a, you know, in harmful way, but they're still the things that they're Telling saying the are, are saying yeah. that, you know, Hey, this is fact. This is, they're not saying like, this is interesting, but I don't have any proof to back this up. They're saying, no, this is what's actually going on. This is the truth about what they're not telling you about aliens and UFOs and this and that. And, you know, to support my, support my ministry, support my brand, support my, yeah, you know, what I'm all about. And they're creating whole careers off of this. But where I draw the line is when you're, when you tie in spirituality into it, when you take something as serious, I take spirituality super serious because I, I, I had, I felt like I was forced into something that I never would have, would have signed up for in the first place. You experienced religious abuse, spiritual abuse. It's fucked up. It's fucked up to, bring people into this and, and and manipulate them in a way so that they are sort of forced to follow you because you have all the answers and you, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to sort of pave the way for them. 
because you are somehow spiritually enlightened in a way that others aren't, or you have visions, or you're able to astral project, and you met with the aliens on on Mars yesterday, and they told you that the solar storm's coming, so buckle down because shit's about to get crazy. And it's like we see these types of people pop up over and over and over again. So in essence, this is a problem that I think is only going to get worse and worse because of the internet, because of this ability to anybody can start a podcast. Anybody can start a YouTube channel. Mm. There's all these platforms now that anybody can get on and just start spewing lies. And the more crazy they are, people are going to subscribe because you know, whether they think it's entertaining or they think that it's actually true. Mm-hmm. But ultimately you have to, I just am saying this because you ultimately have to question their intentions. You have to question what are, why are they doing this? Is it because they really are these individuals? They are these people, they have this knowledge or is there an ulterior motive here that they're trying to blind you and, and confuse mm-hmm. you with all these other things, but ultimately diff- something else, but ultimately it's like, it's what's crazy is all this comes back to money. Mm-hmm. Like if there's one, you know, verse, I think it is money is the root of all evil. It's true though. But that, but that's the God honest truth. And that's what we start seeing. (laughs) The God honest truth. It is. So I don't know. I I could go on and on and on forever about this. This is such Mm a a wild and interesting topic and just, it, it, it kind of alludes to a larger issue. So, yeah. And I'm really hoping we can even. Yeah. We'll see what, we'll see what YouTube even thinks of this. Toe in the line for us. I mean, we've had episodes get taken down for even mentioning Alex Jones. No, you can mention that. You can say it now? Yeah, people no. talk about him all the time. Yeah. But that is what happened to us years ago. We, we got a... They've so changed our, it now. Yeah, but our yeah. channel got a strike. Yeah, we did. And yes. an episode pulled down permanently because we did an intro topic where we we were just mentioning him being deplatformed. Yeah, we were I just think. talking about that and, and YouTube penalized. And we've never been able to get that rectified. Yeah, which was kind of um, wild. But, but the YouTube's cha- they you know, have, it's gotten yeah. smarter and changed the way that they do things. Well, so. they did like a huge crackdown because things were getting crazy. So then they, yeah, but. So there, yeah, it'll be interesting because there is a lot of like keywords in, in this episode that I think would probably yeah. not make it past the the YouTube bots. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And I expect the comment section on this one to be wild. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. interesting I'm looking times. forward to, to seeing what <laughs> you think out yeah, there. So. Yeah, definitely let us know what you guys think about Sherry Schreiner. People like her. Um, Was she a cult leader? I'm really interested to hear people's opinions on that. And sh- is she responsible for these deaths? Mm-hmm. And do you believe Barbara? I mean, there's so many things here I yeah. want to know your opinions on. It's So many things. Uh, yeah, and if you want to, we'll link the, uh, the Devil You Know. It's season two, um, which... Season one was actually on Pazuzu Algorod, which I covered on Lights Out. Oh, so right, that's another right, yeah. wild uh, story as well. So, Pazuzu. Yeah, Pazuzu, um, which should be careful saying that name. It's a demonic name. but Oh, shit. But uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode there. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. Please, if you would, go to Spotify and hit follow. That does really help us out. Make yes. sure you're subscribed here on YouTube. We really appreciate it. It's a great way to support the channel. It's absolutely free. It takes you two seconds. It does really help us out. Also, check out the new collection at milehighermerch.com. Yep. And we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Mile Higher. Until then, keep on taking your mind a mile higher.